Upstream with Jim and John, father and son conversations about discipleship and culture in the Pacific Northwest. I'm John. And I'm Jim. Welcome to episode 118. Is that right, John? 118. Yep, that's it. Welcome to 118. And today we're going to talk about three ways for you to be ready for the return of Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. No no biggie. No biggie. Just, uh, hey, I want to be ready. I want to be ready. What do I do to be ready? We're going to give you three very specific things that you can do to be ready for the return of Christ. So you don't get caught with your shorts down. Yeah. Pants around the ankles. That's, that's, <laughs> that's a terrible thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, that's what we're going to talk about. They all three come out of Matthew 25. Jesus uh-huh. tells three parables there. Um, in our regular Bible reading routine, we came across this. It was thought provoking. And it made me realize instead of um, kind of being afraid of the return of Jesus, these are three very specific ways that you can say, dadgummit, I'm ready for the return of Jesus uh, because I know that I'm going to be pleasing to him upon his arrival. Yeah, and I uh, I have a lot of questions specifically about the second one, so we're going to get into it, and it'll be, it'll be good. I think so. So before that, John, it is joke or story time because you told this story last week, but I didn't get to give my media review, and I really want to do that. So you're up again for joke or story time. Yes. So, uh, in honor of this, um, rare loophole that we find ourselves in, I figured I'd tell a joke. <laughs> All right, let's go. You, uh, haven't done that successfully in 118 episodes. That's a matter of opinion. <laughs> you might say that this one, could, this one might change your this mind. This might change it's my mind. Good. Okay. okay. I still so, remember the last one. Afraid not. No, the last one was, uh, beauty in the fast and the furious, I think. Oh yeah. Yeah. Which is. That one was okay. That was actually better. Yeah. Okay. You have told so, one good joke. Yeah. And I might have even told that one twice. So I get, I have two. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a knock, knock joke, but I need you to start it. Okay. Knock, knock. Who's there? <laughs> that really. <laughs> <laughs> the funny thing That's about the, the joke, joke is not that it's funny is that you enjoyed it so much. <laughs> That is hilarious. That's the whole thing. Okay, well, that's the whole joke. It didn't take enough minutes, so I'm going to tell you a joke. Okay. What do the Seattle Mariners and Michael Jackson have in common? What's that? They both wear a glove on one hand for no apparent reason. <laughs> <laughs> and you could just swap out Mariners whenever you want. That's right, right. With, yeah. with whatever team you hate. And how about this one? Um, a woman uh, went to took her kids. She's got 11 kids. And she takes the family bus and goes to the Cowboys football stadium to do the tour. Mm-hmm. And uh, she left them there. <laughs> so there was a, there was these, there was this uh, cry out public announcement. Uh, whatever woman left your 11 kids at the Cowboys stadium, could you come get them? They're beating the Cowboys 14 to three. Yeah, I saw that one coming. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was going to say that they were the Cowboys. I oh, like they played. Uh, yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, let's get going. You ready? Yeah, absolutely. So this is out of Matthew 25. Jesus tells three parables, and um, it starts with, uh, you know, now that I think about it, I'm trying to remember how he ends chapter 24. He's got all these warnings for uh, Pharisees and for the Jews, really. Sure. And then that segues right into chapter 25, where he begins these three stories. So the first story, John, and we have one piece of how to play offense to get ready for the return of Jesus, one from each parable. And he tells three back to back to back. Back to back to back. There's nothing in between them. Just story, story, story. And uh, normally when I think of being ready for the return of Christ, I think about, man, I need to love him. I need to spend devoted time with him. What what kind of things do you think about when you say, I want to be ready for Jesus? What do you think about? I think... uh subconsciously or like internally, I still have a very, uh, punitive backwards assumptions about God. So I think I've really got to stop sinning before, you know, and have a good buffer before he gets here. Where he's like, you know, you've been clean for a while. You've been clean for a while. Yeah. Yeah, You, you haven't sinned for seven days, (laughs) right? man. You're on a roll. Man, It's been 45 minutes. Welcome. Thy good and faithful servant. Exactly. You got a good week going. Exactly. I totally understand with that. And I think that's the reason this provokes me so much is I think a lot of people feel that way. Mm -hmm. If I'm going to be ready for the coming of Jesus, that means I'm going to stop sinning. Right. 
And I think, surprisingly, if you look at the parables Jesus tells, not just in Matthew 25, but elsewhere when he talks about his coming, it's not about playing defense like that. That, to me, is playing defense. I got sure. to stop doing things. Totally. I got to stop exaggerating, stop lying, stop looking at porn, stop telling bad jokes, stop cheating my neighbor. I got to stop. Yeah. But it turns out that actually you need to start. So um, I find this to be very encouraging, actually, because instead of being afraid that I won't be ready, I can actually know I'm ready by practicing these three. Yeah. And I think the peace of mind of it is, I mean, what's the the, the Paul line that he repeats a lot is to um, make every effort to confirm your calling or confirm yep, your... To make your calling and election sure. Sure. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. I love that language. Make every effort to make your calling and election sure. Yeah. Well, here's three efforts to, you can do that with. Totally. So start us off. Yeah. Okay. So the first parable is the parable of 10 virgins. And uh, the kingdom of heaven will be like 10 virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. They're waiting. And uh, five of them were foolish. Five of them were wise. Mm-hmm. The wise ones brought oil in case the bridegroom was delayed, which he turned out to be. So when he finally arrives in the middle of the night, they awaken and they start trimming their lamps so I can light them up so the bridegroom can find them. I've always been curious. I, I don't know what that means, trimming your lamps. What oh, that's that? when you cut down the wick, make sure it's got plenty of oil, relight it. Uh, because things go out. If you ever look at yeah. uh, candle wicks, they get black, and sometimes oh, you so trim they're them. cutting off the burnt part. Yeah. Okay. They're trimming the wick. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Keep going. Sorry, that was just. Yeah. I've always had been curious. <clears throat> no, that's good. Um, so the the foolish ones say, "Well, give me some of your oil." No, nope, you go get your own. Well, while they're gone, he comes, and then this interesting end. Um. Later, the others also came. Lord, Lord, they said, "Open the door for us." But he replied, "Truly, I tell you, I don't know you." Therefore, keep watch because you do not know the day or hour. So what's the piece of advice right here, John? Keep watch. You don't know the day or the hour. So do this. So in the literal uh, world of the of the parable, have enough oil or, or, or buy enough so that even if he comes far later than he thought he would, you have enough for when he gets there. Okay. And what does that mean to us? What it, that's not helpful to me. Right. So it makes me, <laughs> well, I was just saying, you know, following okay. the logic of the, of yeah. the, the parable. But what's Jesus saying? What is he saying? If you want to be ready for my return, do this. Uh, so I always thought he just meant basically, um, you know, kind of that feeling, get your ducks in a row in time. Cause you don't want him to you hear, you hear the trumpets and then you go, oh man, I was, you know, I've been a knucklehead all week, something like that. But really I think, uh, oil, over and over again, we see as uh, imagery for the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And so it's tricky because I don't want to say that in the parable, five of these virgins ran out of the Holy Spirit. Like, that's not really, we don't really view the Spirit in that way as, as kind of, right. uh, a you consumable. have a, exactly, have a certain amount of yeah. the Spirit. Yeah. Um, but that we know is the, um, the physical evidence, the down payment of our salvation. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, when it comes to whether or not Jesus does or doesn't know you, it seems here he's saying that that, that knowledge is the spirit. Well, what's interesting to me is they all went out to meet him. They're all. Mm. So even these ones who run out of oil um, did want to meet him. Yeah, for sure. So that's interesting to me. And that probably to me is the practice of religion. Hmm. So they're all practicing religion and waiting for Messiah. Sure. But some of them are practicing a spiritless religion. So what it said to me, I agree, the Holy Spirit is always oil, even all the way back to the Old Testament, mm-hmm. anointing the priests on with Aaron, oil. Yeah. Yep. So that, that to me is clear that there's a, there's a participation of the Holy Spirit in one and a non-participation in the other. But I hadn't caught that. That is interesting that in the, in the ceremony, they're showing up and they're and they're participating in the actual in the ritual of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's interesting, and it's, it reminds me of the the um, elsewhere of the parable of the um, the wedding ceremony and the wedding clothes. It yes. kind of feels similar to me. You showed up, but you didn't have the wedding clothes. Yes. Now the wedding clothes is a picture of being wrapped in the clothing of Jesus. We, sure, we're clothed in Christ and His redemptive work. So I'm in the wedding feast, but I'm on my own. I I didn't I didn't need to put on Christ because right. my deeds are good enough turns out they're not so in this case what i really think is that uh, they all show up um, 
they had Holy Spirit. They had the Spirit when they showed up, which is the old covenant. Hmm. Now the old covenant is gone, and the new covenant has come, and you're practicing still a Jesusless or a spiritless, spiritless. religion. Yeah, and so um, you think um, I'm ready, but you're not, and, and you're not ready because you're practicing a religion not a engaged relationship with God that is dynamic and real and in real time fresh. And the context you said is he's talking to, um, to Hebrews. He's talking to the Jewish people, right? Right. right. So that, that is, um, I totally missed that too. The context being important there that, uh, it could be symbolic of the, uh, old and new covenants. Yeah. 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 Which is wine and wineskins. You know, he's, right. he does that. So, so the way I would say this is I want to be ready for Jesus coming. Well then do this have a relationship with God where you are uh, uh, planted in him, abiding in him, um, really having a relationship that is spirit driven because we know that Jesus is at the right hand of the father. The Holy spirit has been given to us to be the presence of Christ in us. I like, I had a friend who she called him the ghost of Jesus Mm -hmm. and he lives in us. And so have a relationship with God that is a, a dynamic and real one where you, you're with him, engaging with him, not just a religion. Don't just do religious things. And I know this can be, um, you know, the spirit is one of the most, among Christians, divisive um, aspects of our faith. It splits denominations. Uh, do you have any uh, more hands-on or practical ways to go, to if this were about the spirit specifically, to, um, I don't know, ways to interact with the spirit, uh, uh, seek more of him, you know, things like that? Yeah, I think I think it's not just about the Holy Spirit. It's about that it the it's about the Holy Spirit in that he is the oil. He is right. he is the fuel for your lamp. So I have this I have this uh, lamp of religious belief. I have a lamp of a faith system, but it has no fuel. Yeah. Because it is dry. It is robotic. It is technical and legal. And it is um, without the full passion of my heart. So I think that's more what the message is rather than gotcha. the distinctive of the Holy spirit. It is that it is spirit less. So now we're talking almost about the, um, the fruits of the tree and, and bearing fruit or not bearing fruit. Now that's almost what we're talking about. Um, I would say less that too. I think it's about the nature of the engagement of your heart in the faith system you practice. So um, the way I would, the way I think of this is I, I talk to people all the time who are uh, attending church. Mm-hmm. Sometimes this happens in premarital uh, counseling because one of the things we talk about is spiritual beliefs. How aligned are you? What do you actually believe? How will you practice your faith as a family? How will you raise your kids? What kind of faith system did you come from? Right. And have you integrated those? And how important is this to you? And so we have those conversations. And uh, whether I'm having them in a premarital setting or whether I'm having them with somebody who's new to the church or people who are thinking about going to church. When, when I ask, this is, this is, this is what I mean. When I ask, I'm going to say 51% or more of people about how they feel about God. They answer the question by telling me what they think about church. Oh, interesting. They, 51%. Huh? Yeah. At least I'm saying a majority. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and all I need is 51% for it to yeah, be a majority. So, true. Uh, I think a majority, I, I'm, I'm sad to say, um, will talk to me about church. Or if they're talking about the, about the friend, I ask, you know, oh, that's your brother? Is, is he a believer? Well, he goes to church sometimes. They start talking about church and Right, because that's that's the quantifiable. That's how they quantify your, your their exactly. relationship with God. And that, to me, is the danger of a lamp with no oil in it. Totally. Uh, so if I'm, if I'm going to evaluate my faith, well, if I'm going to measure my church attendance, maybe even how much I read or memorize the scripture, but, but, am I, but as my heart aflame, am I, is, is Jesus in me? Do I not just know about him, but I know him? Yeah. Is he, we talked about this in past episodes, is he my figurehead leader or is he my functional leader? Right. Am I walking by and living by the power of the Holy Spirit in me? That I think is what this parable is all about. So, so how that applies to us is, Hey, if you're, if you think that God likes you, he's that you're ready for his return because you do religious things. Sure. Then I think you, you might be terrified to find out there's no oil in that lamp. And, um, that, that 
you you don't need religion. You need a vibrant, real-time relationship with God. And so I think your question is, well, how do I pursue that? What, what advice would you have to pursue that? Yeah, yeah. And I, I think it would be to um, to practice the presence of God. Um, we talked about the prayer of examine would be a great tool. To talk to other people who uh, who you think have a relationship with God, have them describe to you how they relate with God, how they connect with him. It's not natural for lots of people, and that's okay. It's yeah. okay not to be skilled at it, but but I think the desire is to move that way. Uh, there's lots of uh, books and authors who talk about spiritual formation, how to know God, walk with God, hear God's voice. Uh, the scriptures talk a lot about it. So I think I'd encourage you to go on a quest to not just practice religion and to think about how you would answer the question. Yeah. When somebody asks you what's your faith like, if your answer is all about the religious things you do, then I would double check myself uh, because I think I hope the answer would be, man, I'm in love with Jesus. Yeah. Jesus has done a thing in me and I, I'm actually forgiven and I'm, and I love him and I want to follow him. That's oil in the lamp. Totally. Totally. Um, okay. The second one is a parable of the bags of gold. And you, you might say, oh, the parable of the talents. Well, in Matthew 25, it's bags of gold. And I think the, the setup is, again, it's like a man and it is being the kingdom. The, right. The, the yeah, return. Yeah. yeah. It's like a man going on a journey and he calls his servants and entrusts his wealth to them. Okay. So to one guy, he gives five bags of gold to another. He gives two bags and to another, he gives one. And so uh, he's gone a long time. He has a delayed return. After a long time, the master of those servants returned to settle accounts. And the guy with five bags says, hey, look, I made five more. The guy with two bags says, hey, look, I made two more. And the guy with one bag said, I know you're a hard man. You you reap where you have not sown. Yeah. So I was terrified that I would lose your money. So instead, I dug a hole, put it in there. Here's your money back. What's the point of this, John? Well, I mean, finish it out. What, what does he say? Well, uh, he says to the five and the two, you know, well done. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Yeah. Come and share your master's happiness. But the one who had one bag, the master said, uh, you wicked, lazy servant. You knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I've not scattered seed. Why then did you not put my money on deposit with bankers so that at least I would return interest? So take the bag go from him, give it to the one who has 10. And verse 29, for whoever has will be given more and they'll Mm -hmm. have an abundance. And whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where they'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. John, I want to be ready for the return of Jesus based on that parable. What's one thing I should do? So uh, to me, (laughs) yeah, easy, easy uh, layup. Um, To me, this is, we talk a lot about uh, mindfulness or uh, purposefulness or design of your actual Mm -hmm. uh, life and goals and, and not letting life just take you where it goes, but actually having intentionality, intentionality. So uh, I, when I, when I first, uh, not when I first read this, but you know, in the past recent years, when I um, dove back into scripture, uh, this was convicting to me when I got to, he buried the one, I, I, the, the gospel I was reading was the talent. Uh, he, he buries the talent and, uh, and I was like, oh yeah, that's me. <laughs> that's, that's my guy. Now, why terrible. would you, why would you say that? Um, because I'm just cautious in general. And do you believe you're a one talent guy or one bag? Well, and so uh, give, I'll get there in just okay. a second. So, uh, and then the the big shocker at the end, that guy is the loser of this parable. Yeah. Uh, and so at that time I really believed, uh, it was about stewarding, um, everything in your life. So I would say this includes, um, the finances that you make. It includes your personal uh, talents and gifts and abilities, like we talked about in the uh, the GPS assessment a few episodes yeah, ago. Yeah. Well, and even just um, skills, mm-hmm. things like that, which mm-hmm. aren't accounted for as much in that one. Uh, it's all of that. So, and even um, I don't know if this is divisive, but to say even uh, gifts of of the spirit or bestowing bestowing 
uh, of the spirit. Yeah. And all of this together is, am I um, proactively and design wise looking to use this uh, for God, for God to use it uh, in a way that befits the guy who gave it to me in the first place. Mm -hmm. This for me is a lot is the easiest to think of with money because it is so quantifiable. So you have uh, the tithe. That's just math. But even other ways to think of um, all of my assets, liquid and otherwise, are on loan, and uh, and it's my general job to steward them unto God. Mm-hmm. And so to think of your whole life that way. In this specific parable, I get confused because it's about the return of Christ. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. To me, it's a lifestyle parable, not a get ready parable. Uh, yeah. So that's when it, in this particular context, I had forgotten, and maybe the talent one is in this context as well, asking about the return of, of when the Son of Man comes. Mm-hmm. So that's the only thing about this that threw me through a loop. Otherwise, I'm inclined to still hold my original um, reading of it, of the lifestyle, of the yeah. of uh, gifts of the spirit, of, yeah. of finance, of ability, yeah. even location, you know, being born in a, in a prosperous country, yeah. things like that. Yeah. Yeah. One of my favorite sayings, you know, you're born on third base and think you had a triple. So <laughs> exactly. if you're on third base, there's a stewardship perspective to that. Right. Totally. Well, I think, you know, that's interesting. So when you think of the big rocks of the story, yeah, you know, you're a story guy, the big rocks of the story. Okay. The master's leaving. Right. So this is Jesus resurrecting and I'm, I'm about to go away, but I will be back. So what can you do to be ready for when I come back? And well, I've deposited, I, this is gold. Uh, I've put things on deposit with you. Yeah. So what has been invested in you? This would be, this would be uh, really a broad concept because it is, uh, well, I'm a man in a man's world. I'm white in a white world, yeah. I'm, you know, whatever, but I'm, I'm a writer. I'm a, uh, you know, whatever I'm married, I've got children or I don't or whatever. It's the whole package. What has God invested in you? Then the question, it's interesting. He expects a return. Yeah. And even just uh, like he says to the guy with the the one talent, he says, not even interest. He yeah. didn't even give me interest. So yeah. he expects at the very minimum uh, more than he gave you. Yes. And it doesn't matter if you're a five bag guy. You say, well, man, he's given five because he's had confidence in that guy. Yeah. I gave a lot to you. Well, I only got two bags. And even if you feel bad about yourself and say, well, I'm a one bagger, you know, yeah, uh, I was dating a, I was dating a girl in high school. My dad had died. And so his best friend, one of his best friends, Joe Steen would check on me all the time. And he asked me one day, this be a, this is just a inter- intermittent story here. A sure. little intermission. Sure. Uh, he said, you got a girlfriend? I said, yeah, actually I'm dating a girl. He said, is she a one bagger or a two bagger? <laughs> I said, what does that mean? He said, well, if she's ugly, you put a bag over her head, and so that way you can go out with her and not be embarrassed. If she's really ugly, you put a bag over your head, too. So is she oh, a one-bagger or a two-bagger? <laughs> uh, so, but even if you say, I'm just a one-bagger gold guy, I'm a, I'm a low-investment guy, they're still, well, what are you going to do with that? Yeah. And the, um, the merit is not in which bag you got it's in what you did with it in the first place so that's yeah. one beautiful thing about the kingdom and it's interesting to me i caught this time that even the guy with five gold was responsible over little in the words of jesus right you were you were uh, uh you've been faithful with little so i'll put you over much yeah so even the highest amount of the story is still little as as far as the master of the house is concerned yeah it's pretty cool um i i heard a story today yeah um from youth camp our, our students went to camp recently and there was a student from another church there at the camp who's uh, either an eighth grader or a ninth grader. And he's got MS and he's in a wheelchair. Hmm. Almost no muscular ability at all. So he's got a caregiver who goes with him everywhere he goes. Sure. And so the caregiver, the nurse would be, the caregiver would be, you know, right by his side through the entire camp. Sure. They said that his muscular control was so bad that the nurse would keep a straw there and you know, suck the saliva coming out the side of his mouth all the time because he couldn't even control the flow of the saliva. Yeah. And uh, they said that that caregiver stood by his wheelchair every night and just wept and wept. And on the last day of camp, she gave her heart to Christ. Man. And the pastor, the youth pastor of that kid said, that's his fifth caregiver to give their life to Christ. Really? Because they go everywhere with him and they meet these Christians and they become followers of Jesus. 
Wow. Now there you go. There's a one bagger. You would look at that and go, that's, that's a one bag investment. These kids got MS. He's in a wheelchair. He's got no muscular control. Well, which, look what he's doing with it. Yeah, absolutely. And they, and they said, this kid is the most positive, loving, kind kid they, you know, you'd ever want to meet. Totally. Because, and this is, this is what we're talking about. You know, how many of us whine and complain about the state we're in uh, versus this kid who's seriously investing the life he does have? Yeah. It was very moving to me to hear No, the that's story. incredible. And I've got two questions. One regarding that is my uh another one of my original takes on the parable was that it's only in regards to uh you know proselytizing to and we've mm. talked about the dangers of you know notches on the on the bible about how many people So if I'm going to use my gold well I'm going to convert people to Jesus. Exactly. Is that the is that the multiplication of the of the deposit is that the interest? No, I think uh, that all this is this is really helpful to me. All salvations are a work of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. No one can become a Christian unless the spirit draws them. Sure. So I can't make people become Christians. So I'm not responsible for their decisions. I'm responsible for my part of the story. Right. So I would not say God's counting how many converts you have. He's counting how many people you ran away from him because of your asinine attitude. Or he's, he's, he's measuring your stewardship of him in you. So to, to finish off the parable, you know, the way I would summarize this, and I want you to think about how you would. Yeah. The way I would summarize this is if you want to be ready for Jesus, understand the investment he has made in you and intentionally pursue growing it. Yeah. So the first parable was don't just have a religion. Don't just go to church. Don't just be, don't just be a Christian, but have a thriving, growing dynamic relationship with God where you're talking to him. He's talking to you. You're hearing from him and you are following the empowerment of the Holy spirit in your life. Secondly, whatever he's poured in your life, whether it's money, talents, whatever, don't stick them in a hole. Instead, understand that is an investment that has an expectation of return and intentionally pursue return. Yeah. And the, uh, again, in the context of the returning master is this, I would say, um, you know, again, we, we've gone back and forth on the merits of even talking about what is, uh, uh, what gets you saved and what doesn't. Right. But this is, you know, that, that servant is thrown out into the darkness where there's, mm-hmm. you know, eternal punishment. So is this a much bigger deal than we give it credit for the stewarding of your resources? That is or? a great question. And, and so here's the two ways this could be one. If you don't invest what God has entrusted to you, you're going to hell for it. Mm-hmm. That's the, that's the, the one way to look at it. The other way is if Christ was alive in you, you would be investing what he put in you. Gotcha. This is not how you earn uh, his investment. It's how you demonstrate it. Sure. So it's like, could I, could I uh, zap you with a hot electric wire and it have no effect in you? And the answer is no. <laughs> yeah. And so could you have Christ living in you and be totally spiritless and have a dry religion where you're not encountering God? No, yeah. you can't. Could I have Christ in you and you be absolutely adding no value to what he's invested in your life. And the answer is no, you couldn't. So these are evidences, not it's uh it's correlation, not causation. Right. Right. Okay. And last question about this one is the ending of the, uh, the one bag servants justification. I knew you to be a hard man who mm-hmm. resource does not. So, and then the master in the parable does not re- rebuff this. He says, Oh, you knew that. So why didn't you at least put it in the bank where you'd get interest? Mm-hmm. He doesn't say, you got me all wrong, man. So <laughs> uh, my hunch would be that the man was wrong. And Jesus is saying, well, if you thought that anyways, then why didn't you do this? That's further evidence that you're right. not engaged. Yeah. I also, I love to interpret scripture with scripture uh-huh. and see it in light of itself. And you, you, when you said that, it made me think about the story where this, uh, this steward had been unfaithful and the oh, boss yeah. is going to fire him. Yeah. Yeah. And so he, he says to himself, um, what am I going to do? I'm going to lose my job. I'm too, um, weak to dig and I'm too proud to beg. Yeah. So here's what I'll do is I'll make deals with my servants, with my master's people. So they'll take me into their home. 
And I've always thought of that as life's three choices. You know, I can be a digger. I can work really hard and try to make something for myself. I can be a beggar where I think, you know, my life is one big story of me being victimized. Why didn't somebody, why didn't my life work out better? Why me? Why me? Sure. Or I can be a steward. I can actually be very shrewd. And I think this is the option that Jesus is pointing out here. Um, I'm not expecting you to make your own life. And I'm not expecting you to be a beggar. I'm expecting you to just simply steward what I put in your life. That's why the five, two, and one is so interesting to me. And it's, it's, you, you would, do you know anyone, if I said, are you a five bag, two bag, or one bag? They would say, oh, I'm a five bag, man. I'm, <laughs> I know one. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> well, you're not talking about the guy sitting on the other side of the mic. No, 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 no. Oh, okay. I just you just know one. Yeah, I, not, I know probably <laughs> I probably two. I know two of them. But that's funny. Yeah. Well, but, I think there are in fact five bag people. That's the thing. And they wouldn't probably say they were five bag people. Yeah. But is it pride to say that out loud? But I mean to yourself even to embrace. I think I'm a five bagger. I think I should up my game. Well, I wonder. I mean, you know, I reference Paul so much, but he would probably say, "Yeah, I'm a I'm a five bag guy." He probably would. The spirit, and he, he would say, "Hey, John." I upped my game, up yours. Exactly. <laughs> That's exactly what he would say. <laughs> All right, it's time for uh, a break here before we get to the third parable. And the third one um, is, I think, more simple to understand, sure. but also more terrifying. The imagery is way is way more uh, broken down. Obvious. Yeah, it was obvious, yeah. Yeah. Uh, first, uh, it is a show and tell, and since I robbed you of it last week, but you're really on fire for this thing. Let's yeah, hear it this week. I, I, I'm, I'm not so much in fire for it, but sure. I, but it's rattling me, and I think people ought to also engage it. It is a podcast from Christianity Today called The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. And it is about Mars Hill Church that started in Seattle, grew to five campuses and several thousand people, mm-hmm. and then, like overnight, exploded and closed their doors. And uh, it's really broader than that. They're using that story, but it's also, you know, why Christians are so eager to follow narcissistic leaders. Yeah. And what makes a narcissistic leader in the first place and what's wrong with our whole system of church and leadership. And so uh, I think that it is a podcast that every thinking Christian should probably listen to. Um. I do think that they are leaving out the activity of God in the middle of all that messy stuff. Mm. And they're focusing on the sociological impulse of human beings to want kings and celebrities and the psychological impulse of narcissists who know instinctively how to draw people to themselves and build a kingdom for themselves. Sure. And those are really important conversations. Uh, But I would disagree with some of the things that they're doing. But overall, it is a conversation well worth having. And we'll probably do a, pod, uh, a podcast ourselves on what we think about the whole thing once we're done with it. Yeah. And a uh, sneak preview, listener, if you want, uh, is you, Dad, wrote a blog uh, in reference to this. Yeah, it's uh, on our website. On our website. So if you go to jimjohn.com slash blog, you can read that there. And, uh, and it's a short read. It's, yeah. just, it's just asking one particular question from that. Uh, yeah. So... Um, Right now, there's four episodes. I think there actually are more coming. I don't know how many episodes the whole season will be about sure. this topic. But right now, there's four. And I'm halfway through number three. Awesome. All right, there you go. Hey, we'll be right back. Upstream is supported by the faithful members of the Upstream team, listeners who give monthly through Patreon. This podcast is just one part of the Jim and John ministry. They also write weekly blogs have published their first book, and are currently at work on more. Their desire is to produce transformational content, as well as offer encouragement and coaching to others. The dream is to see a movement of people who are integrating the work of Jesus into their daily lives, and who are joining Him on His mission to redeem and restore all things. Check out their website at jimandjohn.com, where you can learn more about the father-son duo and gain access to all they have to offer. If you would like to join the Upstream team, consider partnering with Jim and John on patreon.com slash jimandjohn. A link is also available on the homepage of their website. And remember, there's no H in John. Now let's join Jim and John for the home stretch of today's conversation. All right, welcome back. Uh, again, this is episode 118. Uh, 
that's a lot of episodes. It is, isn't it? And uh, yeah, we're so grateful for everyone who's listened, even if you haven't listened to them all. In fact, we get a little embarrassed when people say, oh, I went back to the beginning and, and caught up because <laughs> we're less proud of those than we are of our, uh, I th- we think we've improved. But uh, either way, uh, very grateful for you guys. And uh, and yeah, so I'll bring us back into our conversation. Uh, we are on parable three of the three parables in Matthew. And this is Jesus describing Matthew 25. Matthew 25 excuse yeah. me. Thank you. And this is Jesus describing uh, what the return of the Son of Man will look like. Uh, so he says here, uh, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne and all the nations will be gathered before him. And he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He'll put the sheep on his left and the goats on his right. Then the king will say to those on his right, come you sheep who are... Sheep on his right, goats on his left. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He'll say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to, to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go visit you? And the king will reply, Truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. And then he goes on to tell the ghosts they did not do these things. Mm-hmm. And they said, when did we not do these things for you? And he says, as you d- did to the least of these. You what did you did me. not do to the least of these, you right. did not do to me. Right. Yeah. So uh, so what are the big rocks of this? What jumps out at you? Well, I, I read it this time. So you go first on the on the big rocks okay. and what jumps out to you. Well, it's interesting. I hadn't noticed. Uh, it didn't jump out till you read it again that all the nations will be gathered. So this is, this yeah. is I love that because it's. It's the whole world, but but he's not judging nations. He's judging people because then he brings uh, all the nations will be gathered, but he'll separate the people one from another. So totally. this isn't the judgment of nations. This is the judgment of people. And um, what's interesting to me is that the ones who are being applauded ask the same question as the ones who are being judged. When did I do that? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so it, it's it's interesting to me that they that they wouldn't assume that they had done those things. Yeah. Um, so they were under no false pretense that they had done those things. Yeah. It wasn't yeah. like they were going, well, man, I'm taking care of the poor and I'm visiting people and I'm, um, so here's my, here's my thing. What is the, you know, we said, we're going to give you three, three ways to be ready. Yeah. First way to be ready is not to have a religion, but to have a relationship with God through the Holy spirit. Secondly, is to have an intentional effort, participation in investing back what God has invested in you. And then the third one is you care for the least of these. Yeah. To me, the phrase that gets you is the least of these. Because he says, uh, whatever you did for the least of these, you did for me. Whatever you did not do for the least of these. So I think of categorically, what am I doing for the least of these? Yeah. And um, this is a complicated question. Uh, because I go to church where they give a dollar in my honor for every time I attend to a local nonprofit. I give money to missionaries. I support, um, you know, today I don't do this, pat myself on the back at all. Just I'm this, I'm trying to figure out, am I rationalizing or am I actually participating? Sure. Uh, today I made a donation to the local, uh, crisis pregnancy center. Um, because they're helping women who find themselves in this really difficult spot. And so I would consider them the least of these. So this is, you know, am I doing anything for the least of these? So um, I got to tell you, this this one sobers me. Yeah. This one sobers me because if, and in the parable, the only thing that makes you go right or go left for your eternal destiny, whether you walk into your glory or descend, yeah, the only criteria is what you did for the least of these. Now, it's a parable. It's making a point. So it's not the whole story. It's a story about a point, which is not the point of the parable is not that your eternal destiny hangs on what you do for the least of these. Again, it's correlation, not causation. So it's not that what the le- what you do for the least of these defines whether you're a Christian or not. But Christians look out for the least of these. This is what people who have Jesus in them do. Um, again, interpreting Scripture with Scripture 
uh, I think it's first John that says, how can you say you love Jesus who you can't see when you don't even love your friend, your neighbor who you can see? So it turns out that if I have a love for Jesus in my heart, it does change the way I deal with other human beings. Yeah. If it doesn't, something's missing. Yeah. Uh, this to me, you talked in the very beginning about, uh, I forget your phrasing, but I, I always call it, um, uh, proactive obedience or proactive holiness versus mm-hmm. inactive. So you shall not do these things or you shall do these things. So, uh, here it's not about, we didn't sin or we, you know, mm-hmm. we mm-hmm. didn't do X, Y, Z. It's you did do this. So do you remember the wording used in the beginning? I would say sins of uh, what, what came to my mind was sins of commission or sins of omission. Hmm. Um, there are, there are, and there are things I'm supposed to do. There's supposed things I'm supposed to not do. Right. So yeah, this is not sins of commission. This is righteousness of, yeah. of commission. This is, you did these things. Yeah. And, uh, so that's what I think of first is, um, is that oftentimes I see that more in the new covenant than I do in the law. There's a lot mm-hmm. more of the oughts, a lot more of the, you know, what are the great commandments? Neither of them are omission. They're both love the Lord God and love people as, as right. yourself, love right. your neighbors yourself. So uh, that to me is is almost freeing. There's it's still heavy stuff, but uh, but the 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 goats did not sin more than the sheep. Yeah, they just didn't look after the least of these. Yeah, and uh, the other thing I think of is uh, you talked about under uh, pretension. Uh, the the goats didn't say, "I totally thought we did do that." Right. And we see that with the uh, virgins, and we see that with a little bit with the bags of gold, not as much, but we see it with, uh, uh, again, we, what we talked about earlier with the wedding festival parable about mm-hmm. the, with the wedding clothes. Mm-hmm. We see pretense. I thought I... I'm at the wedding. Yeah, I thought I was going to get into the wedding. I yeah. thought, now that I'm here, I thought I was going to be accepted, clothes or not. Yeah. Or even uh, elsewhere, Jesus says, uh, you know, people come to me and they'll say, didn't we uh, do many Man. mighty works in your name? Yeah, and, that's and cast incredible out right there, and, yeah. And so all these people under pretenses, and it's interesting that those are about, though that one specifically is tricky because it's about works of, of the spirit. The other ones are about, like we say, about uh, religious participation. Mm-hmm. And I thought I would get in because I take the boxes. Right. And so you could say this is another boxes, set of, set of boxes to tick. But like you said, it's not about that you are saved because you did these things. You looked after the least of these. Uh, it is the lifestyle. It's the... Um, uh, the oil and the lamp is is really it's it's full circles. The yeah. oil and the lamp, and it's like the it's it's like also the guy who had been forgiven this two billion dollar uh-huh. debt, and it's canceled. He's not he's not he doesn't just go to not to prison for not paying it. It's canceled. It's forgiven. Right. And then he goes out and finds a guy who owes him a hundred bucks and throws him in prison, and that's the audacity. Jesus says this is insane. You, you know this is crazy, and I think this is what he would say about the least of these, dude. You are poor. You are wretched. Exactly. You are stuck. You are helpless. And I helped you. How could you not then care about others who are helpless and poor and wretched and in trouble? And now that we're talking about it, I see way more of a through line. Because then if you look back at the bags of gold and the entrust, entrusting the gold to you, in our read of the parable, uh, multiplying that gold is using your resources to reach the least of these. And to further the kingdom mm-hmm, of God. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So uh, it's a similar thing where uh, you were dirt poor and I gave you this deposit mm-hmm. and you didn't use it to help the other dirt poor people. Yeah. You know, it's a similar thing to me. I, I, now that we're actually discussing it, I see much more of a through line through the three parables. Yeah. So I guess uh, to, to wrap this up for me, and, and I want to make one comment about our last episode before we get off the air here. So okay. if you listen to episode 117 about why would I become a Catholic? Uh, we got some feedback from a listener I want to respond to. So oh, we'll okay. do that in just a moment. Sweet. Um, so the 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 takeaway that I want you to wrestle with is not, holy cow, I need to perform better because my performance is going to determine my eternal destiny. For sure. And the reality is, no, no, no. Man, love God, love people. And, and if you grow in your love of God, you will correspondingly lo- grow in your love of people. Because if you grow in your love of God, you'll love what God loves and your gratitude will grow and your humility will grow. Mm -hmm. And so uh, this isn't about uh, now I have more religious duties to do that are without the oil. (laughs) Right. (laughs) This is about, no, 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 man, let's walk with God and let's, let's love him 
and love people. And even the scripture says, you know, love covers a multitude of sin. So I believe you could have lots of flaws in your life. I haven't really nailed down this sin management part of my life, but I love people like crazy. King David to me is a classic example of that. Yeah. Uh, The guy had several train wrecks in his life, but his love for God was profound and his honoring of God. So I think, I think there's a lot there. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Do you have a takeaway from this entire conversation? Uh, I do, but I think I, I basically said it before about the, about the through line and about the, a similar thing of it's not, um, like sometimes when I, when I think of these things, I get exhausted. It's like, Oh, that's so much to do. Yes. But the, the weight shouldn't be there. It should be like the, uh, the oil or really I go back to the abiding in the vine mm-hmm. imagery yep. that uh, you don't meet out the fruit through just sweat. Yes. You know, you, you don't, you don't, the tree doesn't strain to make that apple. Uh, right. Right. It is about abiding. So it, yeah. it really is a, um, a much more peaceful process than yeah. that. Yeah. That's and great. It's not as easy because you know, it's hard for me to continually abide like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think a, a, a big part of that is just sanctification. I think it's just habit then in the spirit and it just should i hope it gets easier as i yeah. as life goes on and i get older but yeah yeah okay uh one last thing episode 90 98 uh one oh 98 was the first one and 98 then one, and then 117 yeah um and so in, in episode 117 last week we had our friend jonathan corcoran talking to us about how he became a catholic and i had some listener feedback i wanted to just respond to real quick a listener said, hey, does that mean that any um, sincere pursuit of God is a good one, wherever that takes you? Because what we were applauding in his journey and in our own, and what we encouraged our listener is, hey, authentically follow Jesus, like pursue that. Yeah. And the listener said, well, the struggle I felt during the episode was, um, what if my what if my sincere following of Jesus led me to Allah? Mm. Um, is, are, are we saying that sincerity of pursuit means that any outcome is legitimate? And I thought that was a great question because, um, you know, Protestants, that word Protestant comes from the word protest, right? Uh, Protestants protested, um, several things about the Catholic church and they were formed out of protest to that. And so some Protestants believe that Catholics aren't even Christians. That's not where this listener was going. But it, but it, it felt like, well, hey, if it's if it's true to say, just follow, follow your hunger for God, and wherever that takes you, that's an okay place to be. And so, uh, I just wanted to mention that if if that's a question you're wrestling with or you're thinking about, the reason I thought of it was because of these parables, as we're sure. talking about them, is that I need oil in my lamp, and I need to, uh, I need to intentionally invest what God has done in me. These are these are sincere journeys of faith. And so I think of uh, there is true and not true, and there is so there is uh, there is absolute truth that all Christians believe Jesus is the Son of God, the Bible's Word of God, blah blah blah. Yeah, a handful of those. Then there is um, <clears throat> there are matters of not sure. I would call those essentials and non-essentials. Yeah, uh, and then there is error and heresy. So um, when we're talking about your journey of faith in matters of essentials and non-essentials, this is what we're talking about. But if you get off into the category of heresy, uh, clearly biblical untruth, then you've wandered off the map. And this is why the scriptures are so powerful for us. Yeah. Is they help us calibrate that. So I just want to go on record. Uh, First of all, I appreciate that question because I could see where, well, does that mean wherever that trail takes me, that's okay? It's a great question. I also want to affirm that there that as a Protestant, I believe there are tons of Catholics who love Jesus and who trust in the sacrifice of Jesus' blood for their redemption and are walking by the power of the Holy Spirit in their lives and they're Catholics. Yeah. So um, I think... Uh, am I making sense, John? Yeah. And I feel, uh, my takeaway at the end of that episode was very much about this. It was about the holiness of the pursuit of God in, in different, uh, uh, denominations Mm -hmm. in this case, or I probably entirely different faiths when it comes to Catholicism, at least as logistically, 
Um, but that's again in that area of, of disputables. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and what I was, the context of what I was saying was you already know Jesus at this point. Mm-hmm. So in the case of our guest, uh, John Corcoran, he had known Jesus for a long time. Right. And he pursued him in the way that he felt was right. So this wasn't necessarily a search from, from baseline. Right. And, uh, and that any of those pursuits would be unto God. This is a Christ following, uh, relationships already been going for a while. And, uh, and in the context of how you choose to, um, uh, pursue or learn or worship and within those guidelines of, um, fundamental truth, mm-hmm. debatable truth. And, and he wanted to, his, his, his journey was entirely ecclesiastical. Yeah. Through the scriptures. What is the church? Yeah. And how I, I love you, Jesus. I want to be a part of your body. And where I ended in that conversation, which was beautiful. I'm not sure if, uh, Jonathan landed there. I don't know if you landed there. My biggest takeaway, both from doing the episode and then listening to it was what a beautiful thing that even though we're all moving chairs around on the deck to see which, how they ought to be, we are at the same time, mysteriously and beautifully part of the one church body of Jesus. Yeah. Everyone who calls on the name of Christ and who has the spirit of Jesus in them is saved and are in fact part of the church. Right. Exactly. And so that's a, that's an incredibly beautiful thing. And we might all get to heaven and go, what? I was Catholic this whole time and I didn't know it. (laughs) Or you might get to heaven and go, Oh, the Mary thing was exaggerated or I didn't need the saints or whatever. We're all going to get an education. But, but if you trust in Jesus and his sacrifice, his redemptive work on the cross and his power of resurrection, and you, you stake your life on that. Yeah. You're in the body. Yeah. You're in the church. Absolutely. Yeah. There you go. Hey, thanks for listening. Tell a friend, pass on an episode, uh, Reach out to us if you want to talk to us. Info at jimandjohn.com. No H in the John. Instagram, Jim and John. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'd love to hear from you. Have a great week. Mm-hmm.